to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and as many members, but all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Whether Jews, Greeks, slaves are free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body... Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were a hearing, where would the smelling? But now God has set members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? So let's talk about this, God's gifting and His church. And I want to first talk about the gifts of the Spirit in the 21st century. We live in an age of doctrines that dismiss the legitimacy of spiritual gifts after the first century. Now, in this text, Paul is speaking of things that are necessary in every generation of the church. Now, we must remember that the church is a supernatural institution. If we ever forget this part, we're going to miss everything God wants to do. The church is a supernatural institution. And it would make no sense to have a supernatural God that He would leave us to make things work in a spiritually charged world with nothing more than natural means. It wouldn't make sense. So here in 1 Corinthians, it's been a... Uh, a text along with chapter 14 of has sown confusion in people. And here in 1 Corinthians 12, it all flows together as one idea and one thought that either continues together through the centuries or is disregarded altogether. You cannot take this text, tear it apart, dismiss what you want and keep what you want. It, it's all one. The problem is that part of this text has been thrown out by some as not needed anymore or as deemed that God is not doing anymore. And yet the other part is still used to describe the church. So Paul first mentions the nine gifts of the Spirit. Nine particular gifts of the Spirit. He then ties it all together by talking about the body of Christ that we are all a part of when we get saved. So he mentions each member in reference to a body part, like some would be an ear or some would be an eye, and he's trying to make a point that you can grasp and understand. But today's religious voices have in large part dismissed the spiritual gift element of this text as non-essential but have still had, uh, held to this assertion of each member having a specific place and a specific calling in the body, but you cannot have one without the other here because it all comes as a complete text. 
It's not something that God allowed us the option to determine to tear apart and take what you want and leave what you don't want. Now let's remember everything we're talking about became possible by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now that's another contentious area of today's religious climate. And here's a very important point, because if the baptism of the Holy Spirit is passed away, then everything else we're speaking of has too. And we're left then with a natural institution in a supernatural world. So we are still in that dispensation today that happened on the day of Pentecost. When the Spirit of God came down and the baptism of the Holy Ghost came down upon God's church, we're still in that dispensation. The age of the baptism of the Holy Spirit will not pass until the church has been taken in the rapture. This is what Peter was saying when he's talking about this. And and on the day of Pentecost, he, he makes the statement of how long this was supposed to stick around. Well, how long... Is this Holy Spirit baptism and all these gifts supposed to be around? Well, Peter said in Acts 2.39, this promise is to you, to your children, all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. But see, there's this nagging scripture that people like to take to try to discredit One scripture that has been used in order to dismiss the Holy Spirit or the spiritual gifts as only a first century need. And and why am I saying this? This is important uh, uh, because if you're here and and you don't have this clear, you've been confused by this, nothing else I'm going to say is going to make any difference to you. And so here in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 10, here's the scripture. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So this is an important scripture because it also gives us the time frame of how long the Holy Spirit... And the spiritual gifts are to be made available to the church. But the problem is this scripture has been made into a doctrine of dismissal of spiritual gifts. The assertion is, it says right there, prophecies will fail. Tongues will cease. You see, it says it right there. But then we have that scripture in verse 10. But when that which is perfect has come then that which is in part will be done away with. So the whole key to understanding this time frame for spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit is what is referred to as when that perfect, that perfect, what is that he's referring to? When that which is perfect has come. And the key to understanding this is two verses later in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 13, for now we see in a mirror, Okay, while we're in this body of flesh, while we're limited in our temporal manner, we see as in a mirror dimly. But then, face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And so, what he's saying is that that 
perfect time is very obviously speaking of eternity when we're no longer on this earth. Well, how long are the spiritual gifts going to be around until we're in eternity? Until the church has been taken away, uh, that this dispensation is upon the earth, uh, and that is when we will see Him face to face, which is reinforced in 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has yet not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is, face to face. Eternity. I've heard many other explanations. You get into reading on this topic, you all these great human explanations, but I have yet to hear another scriptural basis to say why people have said that there are no longer spiritual gifts, there's no longer dispensation of the Holy Spirit. It was just a first century thing. I've not heard any other scriptural basis uh, that anybody's argued on with any substance. I've heard many, many, many explanations, but we're not interested in human explanations. We're interested in Scripture tonight. How long will we be afforded the Spirit, the Holy Spirit baptism, spiritual gifts until the rapture? Okay, now, having said that, let's talk about God's gifting in the church. Because God never intended the church to function, first of all, minus the Holy Spirit. Now, there are institutions that are functioning that way. It doesn't mean they're not saved, but the impact is going to be minimal on a level of what can be accomplished through the Holy Spirit. God never intended His church to function minus the Holy Spirit or minus the spiritual gifts and the spiritual offices with that Spirit. Spiritual gifts are not reserved for some spiritual giants or just preachers in the pulpit. Now, that's important to say, because you need to know as a member of the body of Christ, if you're saved and born again, uh, spiritual gifts are for you. Every member, to some degree, some measure, how God measures all that out is up to Him, but they're for every one of you. And Paul makes clear in this text uh, that the church will function with these spiritual gifts. He also makes clear in the description of the body, that every member of the body is valuable and every member of the body is necessary. In 1 Peter 4.10, he says, As each of you has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So there's an expectation there. In Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So there are a couple of things to mention right here. First of all, gifts that God has placed in our lives need to be a functioning part of the church. That if God has placed a gift in your life, that that is not meant for you. It is meant for the church. That's why he put it there. And it needs to be functioning in that context. Secondly, gifts are not for what they'll do for us 
but what they'll do for others. It's not about I want to give so that God can use me. No, it's I want to give so I can minister to others. That's the context of spiritual gifts. And thirdly, a gift from God is a responsibility. That with this responsibility, we're not only required to administer that gift faithfully to the body of Christ, but we're to grow as this gift develops in us with a servant's heart and an other's heart. Now, moving quickly, but hopefully you're getting this because it's important. So here we find then in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I could remove mountains but have not love, I have nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. And so he's saying in the context is having a gift without love eventually becomes of no value. It just lends to spiritual pride. If we're going to faithfully minister in God's gift to His church, it must be surrounded by the fruits of the Spirit. Okay? And so, listen to the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 22 through 24. But the fruit of the Spirit, and there are two of these that are going to become another sermon. That's joy and peace. But the fruit of the Spirit is love... Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. Now let me say this, you do not have to be perfect for God to place gifts and entrust gifts into your life. As a matter of fact, I'll go out a little further, it might shake some of your theologies, but a person's character doesn't always line up with the gifts they have. But God still gave it to them. I'll let you chew on that one a little while. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, there must be this encompassing of the uh, fruits of the Spirit along with this. Because God would entrust us While you don't have to be perfect and have your life perfectly in order, you do need to be growing once you get them. Growing in love. Growing in long-suffering. Patience. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. The spiritual gifts are something God gives you. It's from Him to you for His church. It's the way it works. I don't understand it all. Amen. All I know is that God does it. I've watched Him do it over the years. Uh, He'll place these gifts or He'll take something that's already evident and, and bring that to fruition as a gift in someone's life that He begins to use. But the whole purpose of that uh, is for you to take it and to minister it faithfully in the church. Not at your will, not when you feel like it, not when it seems good, but at God's uh, will of daily and continually faithfully ministering that gift in the body of Christ. So the spiritual gifts are something God gives you from Him for His church and encompassed in that, the fruits of the Spirit are this process of cultivation, growth, 
and maturation, uh, bringing maturity to that gift. Are you with me so far? So there are different categories of gifts in God's church. I'm going to make this a little more applicable in a minute. There are the spiritual gifts and there are the ministry gifts. Then those two fall into two more categories. Gifts given to the church, gifts given to individuals for the church. So let's look at Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12. For he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So here are the ministry gifts of the church given to the church. Let me make that very clear. The ministry gifts, they are given to the church. So let me put this in an applicable context. And, and remember, the reason is very clear and very specific. Why did God give these? For the purpose of equipping the people of God and for the building of the body of Christ. That's what he said. I placed these there. I put these into your life. I gave them as a gift to the church. Why? To build you. To build the church. And so let me say right here, God gave you a pastor as a gift. Okay? God gave you a pastor as a gift. He has given all of those in pastoral ministry as a gift to the church or evangelistic ministry are a gift to the church. Those in teaching or prophetic ministry are as a gift to the church. Okay? Follow me here because so many, and let me talk about the pastoral element, because so many Treat pastoral ministry as some low-end occupation of life. Or if you come into disagreement, you feel totally uh, uh, right in, in treating them with total disrespect. They're a gift. Do you understand that? God said, I gave this as a gift. doesn't mean it's all always going to be just uh, fun and happy and, and we're all just going to be, everything's going to agree together. But it, it's a, a, a pastor is a gift in your life. It's a gift to the church. God said, here, this is my gift to you. And he laid this before us and placed this before the church, along with these other ministerial gifts, because God's church cannot be what he intended it to be without them. Why? Because the purpose that they serve is the equipping of the people of God for the edifying of the body of Christ. So this would bear to say, pastors certainly don't know everything. We are a work in process and I, or progress. And I've always asked the uh, congregations that I've pastored uh, that you would give me the courtesy of being able to grow into my calling without chastising me at every turn and corner. I would hope you give Pastor Stevens that same leeway to grow in our calling. Church cannot be what it's intended to be without them. And so it would bear to say that there's a level concerning the church that they have a sense and a gifting about that you don't. You might say, oh, duh, okay, well, then why do you push against the pricks so much? 
the gift. So in Romans 1, 11 and 12, here's Paul. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So Paul, who is a gift from God to the church, and in this case, uh, an apostolic ministry, uh, uh, such as a Pastor Mitchell or others that we have that are a gift to the church is, uh, beyond their own realm. Uh, and, and so here is Paul, uh, that he is this gift from God. And then he says, uh, I long to impart to you some spiritual gifts. You see how that works? God gives this as a gift, and then that gift says, I long to impart to you now some spiritual gift. This is why you go wrong when you begin to chaff against this whole process, because you lose. You lose, man. So think about the Levites, the Levite tribe. Listen to what it says that they were. They are the equivalent of today's kind of pastoral style or ministry gifts. And he says in Numbers 8, 19, I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the children of Israel to do the work for the children of Israel in the tabernacle of meeting to make atonement for the children of Israel that there be no plague among the children of Israel when the children of Israel come into the sanctuary. Woo, that's, that's a pretty intriguing Verse. First of all, he gave them as a gift. What would this gift do? This gift would stand before God and the people. Do you realize how much is avoided, pushed back on things that you as a body of Christ often never feel the full impact of because you have a, a gift standing between you and God that is petitioning the throne, that is, as you would say, taking the punches as the Levites did? Do you see this gift? Do you see it for what it is? Because the devil's always trying to get us to turn against that element of ministry. Now, that all that wasn't even in the sermon. See how supernatural this is? So let's then talk about spiritual gifts that are given. These are given to a person, to a people, to minister to others... For the use of God's greater good for God's church, spiritual gifts. So in our text, he highlights what is referred to as a ninefold gift ministry. Now, these are not exhaustive. There are others. We're going to read some others uh, that are more practical. But, but these are important. These are mentioned for a reason. So let's read verses 8 through 11. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Now, I don't know about you. I remember as new converts, we wanted all nine of them. Lord knows we weren't mature enough for half of them, but we wanted all nine of them. To another faith by the same spirit. To another gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another the workings of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another gifts of kind, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of those tongues. And, and let me just say before I finish that thought. I get a sense sometimes that there are some scoffers in the midst when it comes to prophecy and interpretation. 
somehow, oh, here we go. Oh, yeah, okay, they're just going to go and promote them. And there's just scoffing that goes on sometimes that may even intimidate. And, and you don't even realize the reason you don't speak that word out is because you're intimidated by the scoffing going on, the spirit of intimidation, the spirit of mocking. I just thought I would throw that out there. But the gifts are not limited to these. And we'll get to that in a minute. But these are of great importance to the work of God, to individual churches, and certainly to the fellowship as a whole. And something to note about these nine in particular, they are all in a very supernatural context. When it says to one, the word of wisdom, this is not just a common wisdom. This is a supernatural element. The word of knowledge. This is a all of these of discernment. Okay, There's a, a supernatural element that's woven into these. They're not just going to be uh, attained, uh, just merely to be attained. But yet these are of utmost importance to be functioning in the body of Christ. Now this church has been around long enough and has long enough membership to be seeing majority of these at work. Now, if you've always thought those are just for pastors, you thought wrong. I do believe that these encompass a greater dimension than just the local congregation. And I think that we can see that because we do have a fellowship. Because we can see things in a big picture and we go to our bigger conferences and we get a sense of these at work. And I believe that that, that this is a, a larger picture, but, but there's a local congregational setting here. And this is where I believe that we benefit, yes, as a fellowship, uh, by the gifting of these. Uh, but I believe that many of these gifts are right here in this room tonight to be being used. Some may be in, in levels of, of counsel and, 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 you know, you get a church this size and, and it's on this level, you, you know, you don't just rely purely on pastoral ministry anymore. Yeah, that's where it begins. It has to go beyond that. And, and Pastor Stevens understands this. He surrounds himself beyond myself or Ernie. He surrounds himself with other men. He will talk with other men in the church uh, that I believe uh, have been given a measure of these gifts for certain. But I believe that there are more of these that are here that are not being used. And the church needs all gifts at work and all of the ministry gifts in place if it's to function the way he intended. Or else they wouldn't be in the Bible. Yes, they're at different levels, different functions. The use that a congregation member may have for it versus a pastor certainly would be a different level, but it's still just as necessary. Now, I'm not going to break down all these gifts to you, but I do want to make a plug for these. And I want to finish with functioning then as the body of Christ. So the context of 1 Corinthians 12 is the body of Christ. That's the context, okay? So here in text, uh, in our text, verses 4 through 7, here's a very important statement. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, 
But it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Here's a statement of diversity, yet unity. Only in the kingdom of God. Different gifts, different ministries. And and let me just say this about inter-ministry quarrels and clashes. Listen, we're all in this together. I realize we, we all have an ego, and that would include women. I said that would include women. It's just a little different way their ego works. You don't have to say amen. It's true. I have three women in my home. I know this is true. Different ministries, different gifts, different activities, but the same Lord. The same Spirit. See, all this diversity, but yet unity. And it all comes when our mind is collectively understanding, this is about others, man, it's not about me. I realize it's easy for any of us. i got to fight it as much as you do. But it's not about me. It's about others. It's about the bigger picture. And in that mindset, you can have different gifts and ministries and activities, but yet it's working in unison. Why? Because it's the same Lord, the same Spirit. And here's the key statement, verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Paul says this is something that needs to be contended for. Every member of the body None excluded needs to be contending for spiritual gifts of some sort. Every member. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 27 through 31. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. And these are not necessarily in a set order of importance. Okay, First apostles, second prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healing. Now listen to where he starts going. Helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Now, the speaking in tongues is talking specifically in the prophetic tongue, not the Tongue we speak as a prayer language. Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. Now, I don't believe this is a call to a free-for-all grab at whatever calling or gifting or administration we think we'd like to have. Yeah, I think I'd like to be that one. That would be pretty cool to be that one. Lord, I think I'd like that gifting. God ultimately decides... But I don't believe this is a, or I do believe that this is a call to contend for all that God has for you for the benefit of His church, and that would include spiritual gifting, and that would include teenagers too. I believe God can powerfully gift our teenagers. So let's look at a more practical side and then conclude. The gifts are supernatural. Here's where the breakdown comes. Too many of God's people are not taking the vital step out of the natural into the supernatural. And it all begins with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why if you're here, you're born again, 
and you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the evidence of speaking in other tongues, uh, then you're missing a very big part of what God wants to do in your life. A very big part. So the issue then becomes using our gifts. So let's go back to two scriptures I've already quoted. 1 Peter 4.10 As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. There's ample opportunity when you're in the context of the body of Christ for these to be frequently being used. Okay, are you with me? As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So here's a very clear call. If you've received a gift from God, or as you will begin to contend and God will give you a gift, a spiritual gifting, and it will become evident through time, minister it to one another. How? As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So let me say this. You know, somebody else is gifted in something and God has laid upon them this. Don't be jealous. God said, I'm going to do it according to how I feel. I want to give you this and you this. And, you know, that used to be the thing. And, uh, you know, I had, it was all my fault, unfortunately, as a kid, uh, that my mother had to always try to get me and my brother the same things. Because if I thought he got something better than me, I'm that little, they should have just slapped me and said, shut up and you're not getting anything for Christmas. But my mother catered to this. I don't know why, but she did. It was my fault. But we can be that way in the kingdom of God. That's fine. Contend for it. Not out of jealousy. Not out of envy. But God, I want to serve in your church and I want to serve at the level that you can use me. And so listen... So, individually, members of one another, having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to me, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts, so we're getting into some other arenas now. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives, Pastor talked about this this morning. There is a gift of giving, and we all are called the liberality, but there's this gift of giving. He says, if you got it, do it, and do it liberally. That's your gift, that's your calling. He who leads, so leadership is a gifting with diligence. He who shows mercy, I thought that one was intriguing, with cheerfulness. A lot of us just, yeah, get out of here, then if somebody comes along and has this capacity of mercy, and a lot of us don't, we can't gravitate to it, but they have this thing that God put in them. It's not compromise or never tell anybody the truth. It's, it's a gift of mercy. So here the gifts are expanded. They include things like the gift of an encourager. Hmm. The gift of giving. The gift of leadership, of showing mercy, and, and don't confuse these with talents. And I'm not saying there isn't gifting and talents, and, and we could, we could certainly say there's a gifting for certain things in that arena, but let's stay away from the talents for now and stick to this. The point I want to make here is the expectation that we, God's people, will allow God's gifts to function in our lives 
and we will faithfully use them for the body of Christ. That's God's expectation. He didn't give it to you to sit on it, to disregard it, to get tired of it. And you must think of this in terms that if you're not functioning as God placed you in the body to do, you are robbing the church of a vital area. You're robbing the church. You're robbing others around you of that gift, having expression that could be a blessing and help to others. You're robbing the church. Now I want to issue a challenge in conclusion. Romans 11, verse 29. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. There's two things here. Number one is an encouragement. You may have failed, you may have blown it, you may have messed up, and with very few exceptions, all that you ever had is redeemable. Doesn't mean you aren't redeemed. There are cases that certain things you can't partake in that office because of certain things, but everything's redeemable. The encouragement is the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. That God doesn't just you know you come back and you get your heart right or realign or maybe get out of your funkiness and God doesn't say, Oh no, man, you should have never you should have never got that attitude. Forget you. God says, Okay, let's do it. It's still there. Just do it. But the second side of this that I want to issue as a challenge. Talk to those that God has gifted. You have function in God's gifting in times past. Maybe teaching, hospitality, ministry, giving, leadership. For whatever reason, you're no longer functioning in that gift. I want to talk to you for a minute. Because God did not release you from that gifting. God did not revoke that gifting. Still there. He's still looking for that to be used through your life. He gave it to you because there are certain things about you that He can use that gift through you. Not everybody can have the gift you have. There are things God knows about us that He can give us those gifts. They'll go along with the flow of certain things in our lives. He knows this. And you're going to sit on that and you're going to rob the church and rob your brethren around you. And if you're married, rob your home. They're irrevocable. Why are you robbing the church of the gift that God placed in you? I want to challenge you to begin to function in your gifting again. I hate to hear how, oh, used to, and that brother, that sister, that whatever, that man, they used to be so powerful. That, and it, oh, used to be? That was one thing if they're all backslidden and jacked up, but still in the church. Wait, wait a second. It's time to get back in your gifting. It's time to get back on your horse and ride it again, as they would say. And function as the body of Christ. And stop pawning that off and making excuses for it. Yeah, there's responsibilities of that gifting. Yeah, there are expectations in that gifting. They first come from God. Did you think about that? They first come from God. And so, you know, when, when people are badgering you because they say, bro, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? And you, hey, you know, just leave me alone. Why are you bothering me? Well, because you used to do it. We assume that you're going to still do what God gifted you to do. Whew. I am at the end of the sermon.
I don't know if I'm going to turn this one. I just have to have you bow your heads. But if we'll do this, I'm telling you, God's church, its golden days are ahead, not behind. Because that gifting's right here in this building tonight. I believe that. That's why this is a Sunday night sermon. This is to the core of God's church. And if we will embrace this, God is going to powerfully manifest Himself and do a work. I'm amazed. You know, the things my kids don't even realize. They don't realize uh, because my wife and I have faithfully served and, and done our best to be a good example. And, and we don't even realize as parents. All of a sudden, your kids start to mature and grow into their own. And, and you'll notice little things. They're giftings in their lives. My wife was just pointing one of them out the other day about my daughter. And she was pointing out this gifting she was telling me about. She goes, she doesn't even realize that that's a gifting in her life. So this is generational. This is profound tonight. And you and I need to be where we need to be. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be failure free. Just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. Whatever that is. And if you don't feel you have a gifting, you need to begin to contend before God because he has a gifting for you. Somewhere in your life, there's something that God's in a place that's going to be special. It's going to be fit for you and who you are and things about you that God knows. Uh, and you watch. It's going to make you flourish. It's going to make those around you flourish. I'll tell you, there's some of here that you have a, a special compassion and you just think it's because you've been through things. No, God took that that you've been through and he used it to gift you with this compassion so that you can now minister on a level that's much larger than yourself. But will we function and whatever that gifting is, and some of you, it's much higher level that God has placed in you. One of the nine-fold spiritual gifts that God needs in His church. And He needs you to rise up with it. Could you say amen? Let's bow our heads. So we allow God to help us at this altar call. You're in this place tonight, and maybe a lot of this doesn't make a lot of sense to you. If you haven't been around the church very much, this may not make a lot of sense to you. But let me let me talk on a terms that can make sense to you. Twenty-seven years ago, I stepped into a church like this. I had no idea what it was about. Had no sense of what being a Christian was. But the time of service came like this and the preacher began to talk about the fact that we're sinners and we're not right with God and you need to get right with God. I'll tell you, that made a lot of sense to me. It felt like in that short little moment, he read my life to me and I was like, my gosh, you know what? This is what I've been looking for. And you're here tonight and you're not right with God. The one thing that needs to make sense is that we're all born sinners. You cannot change that. In all of your lifetime, trying on your own to change it. You cannot change that. It can only be changed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is initiated through repentance. Repentance uh, is turning away from your sin, realizing that that's what offended God. That's what made Him put His Son on a cross and be brutally beat to death. It was our sin. But tonight, the good news is He rose again. He is alive, and He wants to come inside of you. Your heart change you. And this is the greatest opportunity of your entire life. You may have been in and out of rehab. You may have had to go to anger management, or who knows what all mess that you're in. 
Oh, there's a God in heaven that right now all of heaven is standing still waiting on you tonight. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond to a holy God that wants to save you and change you? You're here and you're not right with God, but you're ready to get right with God tonight. I want to ask you to do something. I want you just to lift your hand up. Pastor Briglisi, I want you to pray with me. I'm not right with God, but I'm ready to get right tonight. Would you pray with me? Would you lead me to Christ? I'm ready to repent. Ready for God to do work in my life. I'm, I'm not going to resist anymore. I'll let Jesus have my life. God is calling you right now. Greatest opportunity of your life standing before you right now. Matter of fact, you may have even prayed in your own way as a sinner. But God has heard and He's here to save you. Will you do it God's way? He'll change you. There's a miracle waiting for you tonight. You simply have to respond. Would you lift your hand up so I can pray with you? Would you pray with me tonight? I'm not right. Lift your hand up. God's dealing with you. Who's that all across this place? You're not right. You're backslidden. It's time to come back to Jesus. It's time to reunite your heart with Christ. Amen. Come to Jesus. Would you lift your hand up all across this place as God is dealing with hearts? You're not right with God. You're ready to get right before you leave this place. You lift your hand so we can pray with you. Who's that? Anybody here? You're lifting your hand right now, signifying we're going to pray with you and lead you to Jesus Christ. Okay, listen, church. It's not a topic we speak about much, but it's very important. Matter of fact, it's very important. God cannot fulfill what He had in mind with His church without the spiritual and the ministry gifts in place. Cannot. And I've said a lot. I'm not going to re-preach what I've said. Whatever it was at any segment of the sermon that God got a hold of your heart with. Whatever statement or section of the sermon that maybe stirred or inspired you or convicted you or whatever it may have been. That's what we're going to respond to at this altar with the anticipation. Not just to respond, but okay, Lord, I'm going on record that I'm going to pursue your gifts in my life. I'm going to use them for your glory. I realize they're about others. I realize they're a responsibility. I realize they're going to require of me some things that I've held to myself, like my time. Because it involves others. I realize that if I'm going to step into a capacity of spiritual gifts, uh, that it's going to require me a greater example. Because perhaps if you're going to interpret a prophecy or if you're going to minister in some way of that manner, uh, it's going to require now that you're going to live above the norm as a Christian to be an example. I realize that's what it means. Uh, But tonight you're ready to obey God as the member of the body of Christ. You're going to stop robbing God. Uh, Some of you, you've had a gift. God didn't take it away. You'll see as soon as you realign your heart, realign your attitude, that gift is going to flourish again. It's going to come right back to life. You'll be totally amazed. But you have to make that step tonight. Stop excusing it. Stop building theologies around why you're not using it. And get back to the business that God's called you to do. And we're going to respond at this altar. And I'm going to ask you to stand your feet. Begin to make your way to this altar. If God's stirring, helping, convicting. If there's a visitor next to you, you'll take time to witness to them before you come to the altar. Otherwise, we're coming. We're standing. We're singing this song of worship as we allow the ministry of God's Holy Spirit at this altar tonight. You are my strength when I 
what I'm talking about. You need to embrace what the Spirit of God is pressing upon your heart. Some of you are highly gifted in the kingdom. But whatever the level of the measure that God's entrusted us, He's entrusted us nonetheless. Every member is valuable. You hear me? I don't care what the devil says. I don't care how he tries to tear you down and demean you or point out all of your failures or your shortcomings, your flaws. Join the human race. You're valuable. You don't have to be perfect for God to gift you. Yes, there's an expectation that with that gifting you're going to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. I feel heavily impressed, very heavily impressed tonight to encourage some people here tonight. You, you've, you've lived under this condemnation. It comes and goes. It's not always there. But every time you start rising up, listen to me right here. Every time you start rising up, it comes and it hits you and it reminds you of some things or there's things in your life that you haven't totally resolved or whatever and it just starts tearing you down. You start going forward. God's doing something and all of a sudden you hit that wall. I want to tell you tonight you need to break that through. Tonight, you need to make a decision. That's it. It's done. It's finished. I'm pressing on. God's going to use my life. He's put things in your heart already. He's, he's, he's already set the course of your life in a direction. You need to run with it. With all of your might. And you watch. If, 
If the majority here be wonderful of all, but if the majority here would do that, these four walls won't contain what God will do. Remember, it's about others. Would you stand to your feet, bowing your heads right at this altar? I want to pray a corporate prayer before God. And you're going to need to go from this altar and work this through in your life. Let me tell you, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Confusion is not of God. But you know where confusion many times comes from? Indecision. You're at a crossroad and you're not making a decision. A decision in your life that produces confusion. We'll just keep saying, I'm just so confused. No, 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 there's a, there's a decision you need to be making. You can only halt there for so long before it begins to breed this. And, and tonight you need to make a decision. There's some of you need to make a decision about the course of your life. And you'll break the spirit of confusion right here at this altar if you'll just make a decision tonight. As a couple, corporately, you're fighting against each other. You're kicking against each other. You know what? You need to start unifying. You're in this together. God will gift couples. I'm telling you, there are gifted couples in this church that are a powerful blessing. And there are more that God wants to gift. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to pray with me, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you tonight that I don't have to be perfect. But God, I want to grow. I want to grow again. In your grace. Lord, I'm asking you. To place in my life spiritual gifts. God, you know me. You know what you want for me. God, use me in whatever capacity that you desire. God, I'm sorry for resisting the process. God, I'm sorry for allowing my own carnality to squelch out these gifts from flourishing And I repent tonight. But God, I go on record right now. I'm going to be used by God. I'm going to be using your gifts. I'm asking you for more gifts. God, place them in my life. Use me for your church. For others. And help me tonight to to overcome my own selfishness. I thank you for this. And I commit this before you in Jesus' name. Would you begin to worship God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My Lord, I thank you and worship you. Jesus, I magnify. He alaba rabasar yada rabakar rabasar yada baso. Oh, glory and all honor to your name. Oh, God, I thank you. I worship you tonight, my God. Be magnified. Lord, be glorified in the midst of the assembly tonight. Your name, God, be exalted. Hallelujah, my Lord and Savior, Redeemer of all. We love you, O God. Hallelujah, my Lord and Savior, Redeemer of all. 
Worthy is the name of our God, holy and faithful Jesus. Oh, we magnify your holy name. Hallelujah. That is one of the seven, nine rather, full gift ministries is interpreting a tongue. And God has gifted people in a congregation to have discernment over whether something is God or not. Amen. And so tonight we need to hone in on this. Don't go and just say, oh, that was... Good sermon, or it was a bad sermon, or it was a whatever, but no. God, I'm going to take what you spoke this morning and tonight, and I'm going to begin to apply it right away. This doesn't take forever. God doesn't need forever to get this done. All he needs is our cooperation. And bam, there it is. I'm telling you, we were new converts, and there were certain things we weren't. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this. Let me, let me give you a story. You like stories. I don't have a lot of them, but. I'm at Chisong Conference. I'm saved maybe six months. I'm, I'm zealous, man. I, I want to I wanna do everything. And so I'm there and I'm telling God, God, I want to interpret a, a prophecy. I want to interpret. Now, mind you, it may not have all been a, a perfect motive, but I'm only six months saved. But just bear with me on this, okay? So I'm, I'm asking Monday night. I'm asking Tuesday night. I don't know if I remember if it was Wednesday or Thursday. And I remember we are at the altar. And, and I'm... I'm contending, I'm pressing, and I remember God telling me this. This is what He told me. Okay? You're not mature enough yet to interpret, give the tongue. Well, I blew it. Because I didn't know why. Was that really God? Yeah, you know, I didn't do it. But I knew God spoke to me that. So you may not have the full maturity for certain things, uh, but I'm going to tell you uh, that if you'll just desire, God will begin to blow your mind. Just desire. Just have ambitions. There's nothing wrong with that. And don't worry. God is good at popping our bubbles and humbling our pride. Comes with the territory. You show me a pride-free person that's growing in God. Lord, help us. But God is bigger than that. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Why don't we rejoice? Our heads are bowed. We're going to dismiss. You go. The night is early. And let's just be a blessing to one another. Amen. Let's go in victory tonight. Let's... Get up, pray in the morning. That's where the fruits of the Spirit begin to take place in prayer and Bible reading. And God's going to help you. Our heads are bowed. Uh, Brother Tony, lifting his voice, he's asking the Lord's dismissal.